0: You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast.
1: I want to find two radio hosts that were smiling ear to ear today? You won't find anyone smiling bigger than Spain and Fitz. And that's because the latest quarterback, truly and genuinely entering the chaos, one Mr. Russ Wilson, happened to mention the names of our teams as places. He might want to go.
2: Wait, he mentioned your team, too? I I didn't hear. I heard he only mentioned one team, and it was the Raiders. He really
1: likes us, Fitz. You (laughs) know what? I could have let off just talking about the Bears, but I threw your stinking Raiders, who don't have a shot, into the conversation, and you you took it there already. I knew this was going to be an adversarial show. I know we're going to come to blows on this. I was trying to start off nice, but the gloves are off already. It's a Thursday on Spain and Fitz. Gloves are going to be off all show. It's ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and the ESPN app. We're presented by Progressive. And let's get to it then. Fine. It's time for Straight Talk. Brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. And the Straight Talk is, Russell Wilson is going to be a Chicago Bear. I look no. forward to putting together the roster for you guys and putting into place the Super Bowl champion team that uh, that we'll have here in, uh, in Chicago. Uh, this is a, this is a getting pretty serious, Fitz. This was a guy who it sounded like maybe uh, just wanted a little more input. And now we're getting lists of places he might be willing to go. I think if you get there, then the first part of your sentence, which is, I don't necessarily need to go anywhere, but if I did, I think that first part of the sentence becomes a lot less meaningful.
2: Well, I mean, the staggering part for me isn't that he listed where he's willing to play. And for anyone that didn't see this, the report is, uh, he has not demanded a trade, but he has told the Seahawks he wants to play in Seattle. But if a trade were to happen, the only teams he would consider going to are the Raiders, right? Oh, there are other teams. there: are the Cowboys, Saints, Raiders, and Bears. So that's what he told everybody. And for me, Sarah, it was sort of a stunning double take because I looked at it and thought, OK, Cowboys, makes sense. I mean, you, you can argue that the talent on that roster year in and year out— puts them in a situation where they are a Super Bowl contender in the minds of everybody in that organization, even when it doesn't turn out that way. You look at the Saints and you say, okay, this makes sense. I mean, you want to go play with Sean Payton and you know that the Saints are perennially a Super Bowl contender. I even look at the Bears and my first thought was, you know what? This could make sense. You've got a spectacular defense there, a coach that has had success running an offense, and a place in Chicago where you think, hey, you can go in with that defense. You don't have to put up as many points as you do in Seattle. You can immediately get Yourself in a good situation. I could find an argument for all of them. I was most surprised to see my beloved Raiders <laughs> on the list. I, I looked at it and thought, "Well, that's pretty sweet. Like, I appreciate you putting our name in there." And I, like, that's, that's kind of all, but you might need there. to sit she's down like, and have a conversation. Like,
1: <laughs> Sierra's like, "Let me go ahead and get a residence in Vegas while we're at it." <laughs> you know, need you're to, not wrong though, like, <laughs> I don't if, need to like. I for you to if, be done <laughs> like
2: does Sierra play into this conversation Like, you know, I can only speak for for me, but I would think that you know, if your wife turns around and says. I don't really like Seattle. I want to live somewhere else. Like, maybe, maybe.
1: I don't think you is... can speak for you because you've been living in a separate house from your wife for That's several true. years now That's because true. of your job. <laughs> she won't really come
2: back. She's like, you know what? You're done. You, you, unless, you're of done.
1: course, yeah. Unless, of course, that actually is your wife being like, you know what? I have a better idea. Why don't you move to Connecticut and I'll stay here? <laughs> sounds good. Um, Marcus it. Spears, ESPN NFL analyst, was on NFL Live today and, and kind of said, listen, Russ, this whole hedging your bets of I want to play here, but if not, here's the places I would go. That ain't it, Chief.
3: Russ, say what you want. Say what you want the Seattle Seahawks to do, whether that's trade you or what they need to do from an organizational standpoint or what they need to do from a player acquisition standpoint. I don't want to get caught up in the, oh, well, maybe this, and these are the four teams just in case they decided (laughs) to trade me. No, if you want to be traded, say you want to be traded.
1: Do you agree with that? I mean, I I think he was trying to do this without it getting messy, right? I think he was trying to say, I'm frustrated. I want to have a bigger say. I've been here for a long time. We are always in the mix and not quite there. I don't want to be here and lose the last few years of really being able to get after a Super Bowl again, um, unless I feel like I'm in on the decision making and I believe we've really got a shot. I don't want to make it messy, though. And I don't know if he did, his agent, I don't know if just the media digging a little bit after that first expression of frustration did it, but at this point, does he have to come out and say that he wants to leave, or are you okay with him kind of riding that line?
2: I mean, for for Russ personally, like, why does he have to say anything? When we say that athletes have to say something, it's usually because we're speaking on their behalf, and if that frustrates (laughs) an Because we want the information. (laughs) I mean, that's what it comes down to, like, hey, this segment a lot easier if Russ told us exactly where he wants to go. <laughs> uh, I mean, that, that's what it comes down to. But there's also this element of, uh, you know, I'll say it every time. If an athlete gets frustrated that we're speaking for them when they're not speaking for themselves, then to that I would say, hey, say something. We don't have to speculate if you end the speculation. That being said if you're Russ, I mean, why do you have to say anything? At this point, you don't have any benefit in speaking to anybody other than the Seahawks, and if your camp is is leaking it to put pressure on the Seahawks, or the Seahawks are leaking it to try and get more draft capital in return, whatever that could possibly be happening right here, you know, realistically, if you're Russ, none of it impacts you. you you're going to, to deal with the Seahawks and the Seahawks only, so as long as you don't mind everybody sort of putting words in your mouth, then you don't have to say anything. If you want the, the words in your mouth to stop, then just grab a mic and you know, get your own platform.
1: It's Spain and Fitz Air Spain, Jason Fitz on ESPN Radio. Russell Wilson says he's willing to stay in Seattle. Seattle certainly seems like they want to hang on to him. They actually said uh, to suitors earlier this month, according to ESPN's sources, that Wilson's not going to be dealt if they trade him before June 1st. That's $39 million in dead money charges against the cap. He's got three years left on a big one million forty million four-year extension that he signed in April of 2019. Um, so, This frustration, the storming out of meetings been reported, uh, the wanting to be more involved in offensive decisions, the desire for better protection, all of those things that are pretty, pretty clear demands and pretty uh, acceptable demands from him may just need to be figured out internally as opposed to saying this is the end of the road for them. We, of course, don't want that. Uh, we would like him to leave because he wants, we want him to come to us. Uh, but Michael Sean Duggar uh, from The Athletic, uh, Seahawks reporter, was on Shane Gold, Jr., the show right before us, and said, listen, you know, as much as they've been in the mix, they got to take that next step, or it's Russ or Carroll anyway going out.
4: They have to get back to the Super Bowl, or there is no fixing this, because all they're going to do is keep pointing the finger, oh, you're the reason we didn't get there. You're the reason we lost in the divisional round. You're the reason we lost in the wild card round. And you can't just keep pointing figures and hoping to grow. So if the Seattle Seahawks are not in the next Super Bowl, someone's going to have to go. And it's either going
1: to be Pete or it's either going to be Russ. You think it's I that mean, severe, Fitz?
2: Yes, at some point, if the definition of insanity, right? But uh, I also look at it and say, I'm not sure anything is that clear cut. And if you're the organization and you're trying to make a decision between Russ And Pete Carroll, I mean, you've got to look short-term, long-term, right? Like when we were talking yesterday about the way the NFL negotiates in labor agreements, they'll take a short-term loss for a long-term gain. If you're the Seahawks, you may have to look at this the same way. I mean, are you willing to take a short-term loss take your step your team take a step back for a long-term gain and if you are then which one of these people creates a bigger loss I'm always going to be an arguer that it is tougher to find a quarterback than it is a head coach so if I if I'm making that decision as an owner I will always side with the quarterback because realistically we forget how once in a generation having a talent like Russell Wilson is
1: I completely agree I also think I would warn them that it's always grass is always greener right you Being in the mix every year, even if you don't win it, is a whole lot better than being irrelevant. And who knows how long you got with this super talented quarterback. Um, I wouldn't take it for granted. Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. Coming up, some big news from a colleague of ours that's deserving of a shout-out. And the Lakers, deserving of absolutely nothing right now. We'll get into both of them next.
0: You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast.
1: uh, Because we are going to come to blows later. We're going to give a little stump speeches for why Russell should step away from the Seahawks and join our squads. I will obviously dominate with my stump speech for the Chicago Bears. Fitz will limp in with his Vegas take. And then Mina Kimes is going to join us later and probably destroy both of us in some sort of well-reasoned argument as to why he should stick around in Seattle It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, coming to blows today on ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and the ESPN app as we fight over whatever quarterbacks are out in the world. We'll get into a little Deshaun Watson later, too, as that escalated one more step today. But first, we got to get to a shout out for our girl, Chanae. I don't know how many hours in the day she has, but it's more than we do. There is not a chance that she is operating in the same universe that we are if she is rejoining. The Los Angeles Sparks signed a multi year contract, going out to try to get a championship with their sister NECA, hanging on to all of her ESPN jobs and lord knows what else she's up to. I mean, it's 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 unbelievable fitz. This she should probably, I think, save some jobs for other people, but I'm not gonna be the one to tell her that. Somebody else hey. can tell her that.
2: Uh, well, I think this is the the good news is Chiney is going to be back on the court, which is amazing for all of us. Now, maybe she'll have time to send me that jersey she's been promising. Me wow! For a long time, I mean, so you know, she said she said she was going to get me one, and uh, still don't have it. So <laughs> that's all I have to say. No, Chiney is a rock star and graded everything that she's done. And uh, look, we're all close with Chiney on a lot of levels uh, with the company. But I think one of the things that has really amazed me in our time working with her is that everything she does. She does better than everybody else in about two <laughs> seconds. Like she's except just for naturally singing. gifted yeah. at getting it, except for singing. Uh, yeah, we said frankly, that a couple times. You know, yeah. it's realistically everything she does is great, and this is all the more reason that uh, uh, we're going to have beef in the WNBA because we are not Sparks fans here. But it's going to be difficult for me to root against her. Uh, that Noah is minutes, true.
1: Janae. There's gonna be a lot of there's gonna be a lot of trash talked once it's uh Chicago Sky versus LA Sparks versus Vegas Aces. That's all we have to say about that. But congrats to Chinae. Very, very proud of you. Uh Spain and Fitz were brought to you by Goodyear, helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear, more driven. Who is more driven than Chenae? Tough to find anyone. I'd have to say that. Um right now the Lakers are driving off the road. Great transition, Spain. You really nailed that. Um We've talked a a bit on this show. We just had Dave McMenamin on the show on Monday talking about um, why there's not a reason to panic for this team. They are without Truder. They are without Anthony Davis. They are poised and ready to be a contender in the postseason. So the recent losses for many don't mean much. Even when you drop a 114-89 stinker to the Jazz, the team that many are holding up Against you and saying this is how you can how you can really get a feel for how good you are. Does this change anything? Fitz, for you in terms of the panicometer.
2: No, you know it doesn't. Uh, but what I did find myself doing last night was instead of making it about what the Jazz have or haven't done in the postseason or what may or may not happen to the Lakers through all of this, like. I legitimately was watching it last night saying, when are we going to learn to just watch these games and enjoy them for what they are? Like, this is in, in some binge watching of a TV show. What I saw last night was a great episode of the Jazz. And that is fun <laughs> to watch. And, and I don't know that that means anything for the playoffs. And I'm not going to panic on the Lakers, but I certainly can watch last night and say, man, for a regular season NBA game, that was a blast. And that's all I took away from it.
1: I guess the Lakers writers didn't do their best work on that character development last night. It was really, it was one of those episodes where they really focus on one character and give them a whole lot of shine.
2: Like you're a bachelor, bachelorette fan, right? Like you watch this. So if the whole season is trash, but the ending is great, because that's what I feel like we might end up with the Lakers. Like we can end up with this whole season. I'm not not, going to say trash. That's a bit much. Maybe, maybe compared to what you expected, but like for me, I love below deck, like, And watching this year on Below Deck, it just sort of came to a screeching halt because of the pandemic, right? So, like, they were in the season and all of a sudden pandemic done. So I got the opposite. Like, a good season, all of a sudden to get to the finale, not worth watching, right? So at least for the Lakers fans, like, maybe it's the opposite. You're just going to be frustrated right now, but you'll get a great rose ceremony at the end. That's how that works.
1: What's wild about it is how much time we spent in the very short offseason marveling over them getting better right? We said the team that least needed to add more pieces and find ways to improve are the reigning champions. And look at what they're doing. They're adding all these pieces. And again, it's hard to say if, the, if this team just goes right back to dominance um, once Davis and Schroeder are back in the lineup. Some are even arguing that this is a positive for them. Kendrick Perkins, one of our ESPN NBA analysts, was on KJNZ this morning and said he's finding the silver lining to this Anthony Davis injury.
3: I thought at the beginning of the season and the off season, I thought the Lakers upgraded tremendously. But I think right now with Anthony Davis being out and Dennis Schroeder being out, it has been a blessing in disguise for the Lakers because now they're able to see that their role players are not what they thought they were and that they do need to upgrade even more at the shoot as uh, far as getting shooting in there. Maybe getting a guy like J.J. Reddick and acquiring a big man like a strong Whiteside or maybe Andre Drummond because no disrespect to Marcus all, but he's just he not that. it right now. He's he not that it. dynamic roller. He's not that anchor on the defensive end, and they need that. They missed JaVale McGee and White Howard tremendously. Yeah,
1: it's that's kind of an interesting a- a take, right? You, you sometimes need to take out some pieces to shine a light brighter on what's not working, and you need to to have that kind of depth come postseason time. And you need to have some security in case there's injuries or guys unavailable um, and whatever depth they thought they were adding hasn't worked out the way they thought.
2: Well, and to think that they were able to make the acquisitions that they made and then still keep some level of flexibility, which is what we keep talking about for the Lakers and what they're trying to go through this season. Uh, How much flexibility do they need? What are they willing to give up in future assets? This is a team that's constantly in win-now mode. But the thought that, to to Perk's point, that we could have been so high on them a few months ago and now be saying, well, you know, they realize they have a bunch of needs and they'll get those filled. I mean, I I don't know why we just presume that that – works out. I'm not willing to necessarily presume that they can get everything fixed that they need as a team. The reason I'm so confident with them is because I just simply presume that if AD and LeBron are healthy, that's enough to will basically anybody around them mm-hmm. to a championship. So, you know, that, that's the, the twist for me here is that I, I hear what Perk is saying. I just, I, I can't go from being as high as we were a few months ago on some of these role players to now saying, well, they're the problem, but whoever they bring in instead will immediately have that impact.
1: It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain and Jason Fitz on ESPN Radio guest joining us on the Goodyear hotline. LeBron James seemed to have a little bit of that silver lining messaging going after the loss last night as well. He said, we just hit a rough patch. It happens throughout the course of the season. You don't want it to happen, but when it does, I think it defines character. It challenges you. You just get ready for the bounce back, so you learn from tonight learn from the previous games, and then get ready for the next one. It is something we sometimes talk about in sports, right? you got a full head of steam all season long. You don't often find yourself in close games late. You don't face a lot of adversity. You get to a postseason where you get punched in the face, and all of a sudden you're not sure how to recover. This might help them, right, being frustrated, needing to come together, figuring out which role players can step up in times of need and which ones can't, might eventually serve them when it comes to the postseason, um, they're going to get the all-star break. Some guys are going to heal up. Um, I'm not super concerned. I'm certainly not hitting the panic button either because I think I've mentioned on this show before, I'm giving LeBron James a bit of the Tom Brady treatment where I'm going to stop guessing against him when it comes to postseason, especially when he's got a superstar like AD alongside him. Um, so I'm, I, th- I think you're right there's no guarantees that anyone whether it's Whiteside or Boogie or anyone else that's being floated out there Andre Drummond I think makes a big difference but anybody else uh what it's going to come down to is those superstars and 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 less about the role players um but they but they will need they, they will need the depth they I mean I'm not discounting it entirely but when I focus on my belief in this team it's obviously around those top two guys
2: I think the one thing that we are seeing right now, Sarah, that will have impact later in the season is the fact that now this is a team that's five and five without Anthony Davis. And I've heard Jay will a bunch on the morning show uh, talk about you know the LeBron MVP case this year. People are going to remember this part of the season without Anthony mm-hmm. Davis, and if the Lakers take a dramatic jump forward, as I expect they will, that's going to be used against LeBron in any MVP conversation. Of hey, this isn't LeBron's team anymore; it's Anthony Davis's. So that's the one thing that I think does have lingering impact from this lull that they're in right now
1: right unless he finds a way to spin it as look at how i managed to help this team stay afloat at least and all the minutes I've right been. it's right. gonna be a tough spin it's spain and fits brought to you by goodyear helping you discover the road ahead goodyear more driven coming up music and sports jesse washington joins us uh he's going to talk about this undefeated presents a rumor of our own it's an hour special coming up later this week we'll get into all of it next here on spain and fits on espn radio
0: Spain and Fitz, the podcast.
2: Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the Sirius XM Channel 80 and the ESPN app. I don't know why I put the in front of Sirius. It's the Sirius XM Channel 80. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests will join us on the Goodyear Hotline. Got to say uh, happy birthday to a loyal listener and awesome uh, Twitter correspondent for us, Gail. We get to talk to Gail, Gail! all the time on Twitter. Happy birthday, Gail. Happy I hope birthday, you have extra Gail. cake. Like so much oh, cake. There's so never enough. Cake. Cake. That's all. But not
1: stomach ache worth. Just a, a reasonable and satisfying amount of cake.
2: One of the few superhero things that I'm capable of is eating endless cake without any stomach it's ache. Not so, at all surprising but, to me. You that, are a man
1: no. of extremes. <laughs> fits. You do nothing in moderation. You are all or nothing. I believe you are about to embark on yet another stretch of just nothing, like air and water diet. Yep.
2: Monday. Are you going to also
1: work out 11, 15 hours a day?
2: I'm doing two-a-days starting Monday and only hey water to drink and only lean, lean, lean foods. So, and you know what's uh, going to
1: happen is I'm also on a health kick. I'm going to lose one pound in four months, just really kicking my own butt, and you're going to come in like a week later and be like, I'm already down 14 pounds. Mm. That's
2: the goal, Sarah. But, uh, That's how you, know you what? operate, you men. I would it's trade- so unfair. <laughs> I would trade all any and all weight loss that I would have for Russell Wilson. We'll get in just a few minutes <laughs> to our first uh, drop down. Like we're, Jason gonna, we're gonna on the way. Gonna we going to just absolutely. I'm going to make you just to... speed
1: eat if you guys get Russell. <laughs> I'm going to make oh, yeah. you eat your words literally.
2: Look, if I got to get to 225 but it means that we get Russell Wilson, I will do it and I will still wear some medium shirts. All <laughs> Buy right. A whole new wardrobe. <laughs> Let's head over to the Goodyear hotline now. Have a little bit of fun and a good conversation here. ESPN is televising The Undefeated Presents, a room of our own. It's a one-hour special that explores the connection that black athletes have with music and the impact uh, of, of that association empowering social movements. So I'm really excited now to talk to Jesse Washington. Jesse, thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. You know, one of the things that we're all focused on is the voice here. Are voices for athletes and for entertainers actually more prominent now, or is it just amplified given the way we watch? it? cover everything?
4: Man, I think it's different. I think it's bigger, more powerful, has more reach. You know, when you think about a guy like Dame Lillard, who's on our special talking about the music that has motivated him and how growing up in Oakland impacted his life, you know, Dame is putting out his own music. He's putting out his own message. Um, He's in commercials, uh, but he has a direct pipeline to the consumer, not only through his play and his social media, but through his musical expression. So I think that's a good example of how that platform is a lot more powerful today
1: it's there's an interesting kind of dichotomy between those who understand the messaging and the importance of what's being said and shared through music and those who manage to remove the meaning from it and i often think of this tom morello of rage against the machine is very outspoken advocate for progressive ideas and lately as he's become even more so people are in his mentions like i'm not going to listen to your music anymore and he's like what Machine, did you think I was raging against, right? Like, <laughs> what, what did you think we were saying when we said some of those who are armed forces are those who burn crosses? What, 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 where were we going with that, right? So when you dive into this a little deeper in this show, um, do you actually try to get to the heart of how much power is actually in the messaging done through music or how much maybe it's lost to those who, who, who don't engage with it beyond the surface level?
4: Yeah, that's a very perceptive observation. And I think, you know, I sort of got into that in the show with an interview that we did with Darius Rucker. You know, now um this is a guy who some of us might remember from Hootie and the Blowfish, but he's got the number one country album right now. A huge audience in a space that may not always be very hospitable to the goals and ideals of black athletes. Darius Rucker has sung the national anthem at a ton of uh great sporting events, almost every major, major sport, including NASCAR. And so yet, when I asked him about his feelings about the anthem and Kaepernick, he supports Kaepernick's right to protest during the anthem wholeheartedly. You know, So I really think that in these type of situations, sometimes when, when these people are fans of artists and they, they may not necessarily know where they're coming from, when they do find out It's an opportunity for learning. And I think that Darius Rucker can help bring some people to the table of of greater understanding and empathy for the plight of black Americans. So I I think that, yes, there are a lot of folks who root for athletes, uh, you know, without really knowing what they're about as human beings, the same as they do for artists. That's one of the things they have in common. And I think it can lead to greater understanding.
2: So then, you know, I'll counter that because I think this is so interesting to me, Jesse, and and Darius is a great example of somebody that hit a lot of resistance when he tried to put out country records because, frankly, he's a black man singing country music. That's changed drastically since he uh, really blew up on that side. But, you know, I'll go back to my touring days. You can set a clock for certain artists for when in their show in country – they're going to stop and do their moment where they talk about God and the soldiers, right? Like we know that that's going to happen. They're going to say, they're going to sit down at a stool. They're going to talk about America and all of these things. And it's almost like it's not really part of a message. It's just part of the plot. It's the roadmap that you do when you're in that situation. So I guess in this system, when you're looking at the people that are trying to use your your voice more, how do you find individually individuality when you're doing that without just simply being yet another person that's following the same roadmap?
4: Hmm. Man, that's a tough one. You know, I think that you've got to be authentic. And, yeah, there is a template. You know, um, a lot of genres have it, you know, um, checking boxes for what they need to deliver that they think their audience is looking for. But the greats deviate outside the template. The greats are authentic with it. And so, you know, some people may really believe that. Others may not. Um, you know, I'm not exactly sure how we should – uh, pull the audience away from that expectation. Sometimes people want what you feed them. Um, but I do admire artists like Darius who are sort of breaking that mold, you know, and we've got a lot of people on our special who are really kind of stepping out of that, that template in, um, in athletics. For example, we have a great round table with uh, several gymnasts and gymnastics is something that we've come to expect, uh, You know, a certain type of performance, a certain style, and young ladies are stepping outside of that in particular. And so we've got Trinity Thomas, Naya Reed, Kia Johnson, Lindsey Brown, Margareta Marzetta Frazier. And they're all changing what gymnastics really looks like, what judges expect to see of them out there. So, you know, there's a lot of work to be done in that, but I think that it is being done.
1: Oh, it's such a fun one. Those floor routines, I saw one the other day, it was all Janet Jackson bangers, right? We we all remember the, it's a lot of them coming out of UCLA that kind of go viral, and it does make it so much more fun. Uh, it's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We're talking to Jesse Washington of The Undefeated. Sunday, February 28th, 12 p.m. Eastern on ESPN, The Undefeated presents A Room of Our Own. Talking about black music and the arts is sort of can be fraught at times because within the culture, there is so much that's empowering. But outside of it, there's appropriation. There's the selling of black performances and art by white performers that then get more fame and money because they're more palatable. And there's conversations around the kind of giving and and, and, and taking from white audiences from black art, but not appreciating them beyond maybe art and athletic performance um do you guys dive into some of that here because i think there is so much still to be navigated in the ways that society takes from black art um and maybe isn't giving back respective black identity and 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 full whole people
4: oh man sarah that's such a great point because we absolutely get into it and there's a point in the show i believe where we say that um you know america has always been comfortable with black performers singing or dancing or running or playing games. But when those performers start to express their humanity and start to demand more than just uh, being a source of entertainment, then there are parts of the country that resist that. So that's a theme that that we have to explore. We would be dishonest not to. And when you talk to a lot of the folks in the special, it comes up about how they feel as sort of these objects, you know, or, and it can be a dehumanizing experience. That's one of the things that athletes and musicians have in common. And there's a lot of um, really fascinating interplay between these athletes having conversations with performers about their respective experiences. That's one of the things they have in common. That's one of the things they're trying to push back against. But, you know, another good aspect of this modern era that we live in is that these athletes and artists are able to really express more of themselves and be be under less control than they have been in the past, because they're human beings. You know, they're people, and they're not just the sum total of what their bodies or their voices can do, and more people need to see them that way.
2: The special debuts this weekend, Sunday, February 28th, 12 Eastern on ESPN, then an encore presentation March 7th at 4 p.m. on ABC. Jesse, great work as always, man. Enjoy reading it. Uh, Great to listen to you talk about it. Can't wait to watch. Thanks for hanging out with us.
4: Thank you, guys. Appreciate
2: it. All right, we've been putting it off. It's time. It is time for me to explain to Sarah exactly why Russ is going to pick Vegas over Chicago. I mean, there's one good reason. It's just too cold. We'll get into our debates mm-hmm. over Russ mm-hmm. and where he's that's headed next. Got? And then, well, oh, there's men. There's yeah. That's all I got. Spain and yeah, fits yeah. on ESPN Radio. Uh-huh. We'll debate it next. I
1: already got you mumbling.
0: <laughs> Spain and fits the podcast.
2: It fits on ESPN Radio. SiriusXM Channel 80 and the ESPN app, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance with insurance for cars, homes, boats, motorcycles, RVs, and commercial vehicles at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE-AND-PROGRESSIVE.COM. Now, Russell Wilson might be calling his insurance agent and saying, hey... Let me check the rates in some different cities because maybe I want to move. Now, he, again, has not told the, the Seahawks that he insists that he be traded, but he has let them know that uh, if they will trade him, if they're going to trade him, there's only four destinations he feels good about uh, that he would accept. One is the Cowboys. Uh, one is the Saints. So we'll just throw those two out because who cares about either of those, franchises? Yeah, so we'll get happen. to the two that really matter here. Uh, the other two teams on his list, the Chicago Bears – And the Las Vegas Raiders. So it is time, Sarah, for us to plead our case and make our our statement for why Rush should pick one city over the other. And because I'm ever the gentleman, I think that you should go first. I will allow you, ladies first, please, to have the platform.
1: Okay. I do want to then say that might I have a brief minute uh, at the end of yours to, you know, Dispute any of the clearly we erroneous points that you make. Like
2: adults, so we're going okay. to interrupt each other throughout. So go ahead, yes. Oh, please. oh,
1: you're going to interrupt. You're going to let me go first and interrupt me. Okay, of course ever the sure. gentleman. <laughs> um, I wish I had a backing track. We really should have uh, come with some, you know, eight oh, mile, yeah, like, like, or potentially like I could have gone with like common or chance or something. You could have gone with, I don't know.
2: Imagine Roy Orbison, Dragons.
1: Roy Orbison, whoever Imagine the hell. Imagine Dragons,
2: the, yeah. the most C- downloaded band in the world oh. two years ago from hey, Vegas. Go ahead. Yep. You want that to be your squad? That's on you, boy. I'm That's just saying a lot of me. success comes out of okay. Vegas. Big success. Go
1: ahead. Okay. Chicago. Gosh, there's so much I could say. I could talk about the food. Best restaurants in the world. I could talk about the culture, the museums, the concert halls, the galleries, performance venues for Sierra to sell out. I could talk about the skyline and the lake, some of the best in the country. I could talk history, founding franchise, among the best known in the world with rabid fans from coast to coast. There are so many things I could say about the city itself, about the team and its place in it, about the weather that people like to say is a detriment and instead I say is the reason that fans care more about football and the Bears than almost any other place because it's all we got in those cold months. While people are off surfing and going to the beach and ignoring their teams until the playoffs start, Bears fans are there from preseason to postseason and all through the offseason, too. But most importantly, while you're looking over at the Raiders and saying to yourself, would I have any power somewhere where the head coach has 11 more years on his contract and is absolutely sunk in there no matter what happens? even if we don't get along? Or do I want to go somewhere that's on the precipice of major change, that if I walked in tomorrow and said, get rid of everybody, I want to pick new people for all of these positions, would absolutely acquiesce and give me whatever I want? That's one reason to stick around. That's one reason to choose Chicago and stay here for a long time, because you will have the ability to help create a team in your image, make the changes that you see fit to lead us to glory in the Super Bowl. But most importantly, Russ, can I call you Russ? I can call you, Russ, because uh, we're business partners. I'm not going to get into the details. It's not something Fitz even knows. But we, we got a little project that we're working on together, other than a Super Bowl champion a football team. Russ, expectations are low, so low, so incredibly low. Complete a few passes, throw a couple touchdowns, evade a sack or two, and we will probably rename the stadium after you. Okay, Ray Ratto of The Defector summed up our quarterback history in Chicago accurately and depressingly with these few lines. Quote, the Bears say they try, but we know otherwise. You can't go 71 years with this lineup of quarterbacks and say you like quarterbacks. They've had two all pros in all those years, Sid Luckman and Johnny Lujak. And just six pro bowlers in that time, including Rui Young Bussey, who was named to the 1941 Pro Bowl as a rookie, despite not starting any games, enlisted in the Navy in 1942 and was killed in the war in 1945. It's a tragic tale, Fitz. But again, I tell you, Two All Pros and six Pro Bowlers in seventy-one years of quarterbacking. In fact, I think Robert May summed it up best today when he listed the top five quarterbacks the Chicago Bears have ever had, and at number four was Russell Wilson saying he'd be interested in playing for the Bears. That was enough. <laughs> that was enough to be fourth best of all time. My my case is rested. Come here, and you will be a god.
2: Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, Sarah making her compelling case really well-argumented, argued uh, for Russell Wilson to go to Chicago. Uh, However, there are some fatal flaws to it, Sarah, because Russ... I'm going to call you Russ even though I didn't ask first because I just feel like we have that connection. My <laughs> opponent in this debate has pointed out that uh, their their stability is an, a failure for the Raiders, and it isn't. In fact, you know that you're going to go to an offensive mind that's going to be with you and give you whatever you want. You know you're going to go to an owner that's going to give you whatever you want because they've all proven that they will do that. On top of that, if you want great Chicago pizza, you know where you can get it? You can get it on the Las Vegas Strip. You know you want great New York pizza? You can get it on the Las Vegas Strip. You can get all the food you want. If you want great restaurants, great performance venues, every single concert tour comes through. Sierra can do a residency at a hotel, make like $80 million doing it, and still come home every single night where you guys can hang out. And while Sarah talks about the problems with the history of the quarterback position, what's better than having to deal with history of problems? Making history. Because everything you do in Las Vegas will be making history. You can be the first Super Bowl winning quarterback the organization has ever had. You can be the first premier quarterback that can come in as a brand, as a household name. that can elevate the Raiders with the city of Las Vegas because the city is thirsty for firsts. This is all brand new, including the brand new, beautiful, gorgeous just amazing stadium that you can play in every single Sunday at Allegiant. You have opportunity instead of coming back and dealing with the moldy city of Chicago, you can come in and be glitzy, glamorous and beautiful in everything that is Las Vegas. That in and of itself is reason enough to come out and don the silver and black.
1: So let me ask you a question. How's he going to go ahead and win and be the first quarterback to win something there with a 26th ranked defense in the league?
2: They finished eight and eight last year with the twenty-six ranked defense in the league. I mean, all 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 they got to do is get a little better, and bam, all of a sudden you got it.
1: And how are they planning to get better? Well,
2: I mean, that, that, that's still a path to be determined. They're going to let Russ come in and let Russ cook behind the scenes. They're going to let Russ come in and give yeah. them a little bit of a... Oh, Also, also Sarah, let, let's look at the other side of it. Where's Russ going to make more money? Because, oh, I don't know, no state, no state income tax in the state of Nevada, lower sales tax, so his money will go farther in a place that has lower cost of living. Look at that. I'm making Russ money.
1: So he's going to make more money from the team that owes their coach 68 million more dollars?
2: Roughly, yes, because they got the money. Just because their owner is so smart, he got a city that doesn't have the money to agree to give two billion dollars for a new stadium. See, see, you want to be a part of that sort of business savvy?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I'm twisting. Anything this. else
1: you, you need to say? Any, you know, any, yes. any other?
2: You know what? There's one fatal flaw with Chicago. And if I need to bring in backup resources here, I'll bring in my buddy Stephen A. Stephen A. Why would nobody want to go to Chicago? But you, Deshaun Watson, you can't be thinking about going to no damn Chicago. You
0: can't be. Don't even think about it. It's too damn cold in Chicago to be going uh-huh. there, Matt. Are you crazy? What? You can't, you can't be Deshaun Watson and go to the Windy <laughs> City. What's wrong with y'all? Oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. Listen, Deshaun Watson, do not think about going to Chicago. I love Chicago. Mm-hmm. Chicago has been very, very good to me. I must mm-hmm. admit. But I got to tell you something. That's from June to September. Come on, Give me a break. All the way through May. It's too damn cold. This, silly. Field
2: match, this man can actually throw a, throw a foot My and God. that bad boy that might floral. wave into the fans. You're your quarterback. Stay the hell away from Chicago. See? If that works for Deshaun, it works for Russ too, Sarah. It's too you cold. You know what?
1: I'm so sorry that you were incapable of finding a compelling argument for Russell Wilson to avoid Chicago. That was very specific to Deshaun Watson.
2: All I'm saying is that Giordano's Pizza is down in Bally's in the Strip. You just go over there. You can get all the Chicago. Congrats pizza you on wants.
1: knockoff city, <laughs> Vegas—the second best version of all sorts of things. Why don't you come to Chicago and find out what the real thing tastes like? Wow,
2: this is the, this we'll debate's about my gonna fist get heated right now. I'm not Coming even up, talking about pizza anymore. We're gonna bring in a friend that wants both of us to be wrong about it. Mina Kimes <laughs> will give us why he's staying in Chicago next. Spain and Fitz, ESPN Radio.
0: You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast.
1: Made my case uh, smartly uh, to to raucous applause. I could hear it uh, both in my ears and via the social media listeners uh, just coming into my mansion saying sold. Uh, Russell Wilson's very clearly going to Chicago. Uh, You did your best uh, with Vegas, but honestly, you don't have much to work with. So I can understand why your pitch left us wanting. We're going to welcome in someone now. Who's probably going to make wow. the best pitch of them all, if I had to guess, for where Russell Wilson might go, or in this case, stay? It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and the ESPN app. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Joining us now on the Goodyear Hotline, it's uh, ESPN NFL analyst. Uh, you can see her on NFL Live, HQ, ATH, writing, her podcast, all over the place. It's our friend, Mina Kimes, with a little hi, Fran. Hi, friend. Hi, friend.
5: Hi friend. Hi, friends. Say hello to my little friend. He's my friend because we both know what it's like to have people be jealous of us.
0: Alone. Bad. Friend. Good.
3: And we're the best friends that anyone could have. We're the best friends that anyone could have.
2: And we'll never, ever, 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 ever leave each other. You got the... Hi,
1: friend.
6: Hi, friend. Well, I thought you were my friend until you started coming after (laughs) my quarterback.
1: (laughs) I do apologize for sending overtures to your main man. I don't know that they're going to work. The best I have is uh, you will be a hero and a god for completing a single touchdown pass here in Chicago. And I think Fitz went with buffets. Uh, Do you actually think Russell (laughs) Wilson is going anywhere?
6: Uh, Not this year, Sarah. You know, just... Financially, the cap hit for Seattle would be so extraordinary that for them to trade Russell Wilson would not only like hurt the franchise, but you know you would have to get something in return that above and beyond just making it worthwhile for parting ways with Wilson, which as you know would be multiple firsts and all of that. You'd also be really hamstringing yourself financially for years to come. So. I can't see it happening and coming together now. I do think that we're talking about a few years now of kind of like murmurings of dissatisfaction and that now those murmurings have gotten a lot louder. And I I think next year, if Russell Wilson, whatever he wants, which is kind of unclear, frankly, isn't satisfied, I think then you could hit a breaking point where he is willing to, you know, hold it, potentially hold out or threaten to do so.
2: Mina, at some point, if this gets more and more vocal, I mean, what fixes it so that they can all go into the season singing "Kumbaya"? Yeah.
6: Well, I so I you know I, I said I wasn't sure what he wants. I mean, he has complained about getting sacked a lot. Some of that is on Wilson because of the style of play, but uh, I think he's accurate in blaming the Seahawks for at times lack of protection. They have not invested a ton of money in the offensive line outside of trading for Dwayne Brown. The left tackle is quite good. And when they have drafted players, it's mostly not worked out. So I think his frustration there is warranted. And I, in my mind, if Seattle really wanted to move things over, that's where I would start, um, especially in the interior of the line, going out and getting a free agent like Packers center Corey Lindsley, um, Brandon Scherf's guard in Washington's probably going to get tagged, but he's another player I'd keep an eye on, you know, those interior linemen who can, protect Russell in the way that, say, you know, a Drew Brees has been protected over the years.
1: Mina, it feels like, and Mina Kimes is with us here on Spain and Fitz, ESPN Radio, it feels like the complaints about needing more protection from the offensive line, the desire mm. to be more involved in the offense, all of these things feel pretty self-explanatory and not that that surprising. Um, but to last this long and and coexist alongside Pete Carroll and for that to feel like the crux of the issue now, is that a surprise to you? Or does it feel like, it's just a matter of feeling emboldened by the number of years in the league and no longer yeah. being willing to say, it's all on you guys. Just tell me where to go and what to do.
6: In some ways it's it's surprising because by all accounts they have a good relationship and, you know, there's even reports suggesting there's a lack of accountability and that's been, there's been reports on that for a while that Carol almost coddles Wilson. Um, but it isn't surprising because, you know, I, I mentioned this on HQ today um, if you look at the past Super Bowl winners since Seattle, outside of Bill Belichick, it's all been offensive coaches. If you look at four teams that made it to the championship games last year, it's offensive coaches, and then Sean McDermott, who has a brilliant play caller underneath him, and Brian Dable. I think Wilson looks around the league, and you know he's frustrated by he, he sees some of the more innovative offenses, and I think coaches also that are willing to take risks, and I think there's probably some frustration there with Pete Carroll's approach to the game. Um, Now Pete could point to that and say, Hey, I let Russ cook last year. We let you guys pass on ton, and it stopped working halfway through the season. Isn't some of that on you? And I don't think he would be wrong to say that as well, but to me that there's a lot of blame to go around for how their season ended. That goes a lot of different ways. And Wilson isn't wrong, um, you know, to put some of that on the, scheme and lack of protection and then the head coach himself
2: we're talking to Mina Kimes on Spain and Fitz there Spain Jason Fitz uh, obviously Russell Wilson in the news today uh, as he's let everybody know at least that there are four teams that he would consider being traded to so Mina what sort of package would make you at least as a Seahawks fan in return you'd say okay you know what I hate to see Russ go but this was worth it
6: well gosh I, you know, that very little, frankly, I mean, Deshaun Watson. um, (laughs) I I think what, what is real, which, Hey, maybe there's some realism there, but I I think what really is important is if you're Seattle and you're really considering this, you either need a, a, a top tier quarterback or a draft pick that you can turn into one. And the teams that have been bandied about outside of Miami earlier on in this cycle, they do not have those draft picks. Um, you know I, I for seattle to even if they were to get a massive package if they don't have a shot at a quarterback of the future then it's a, it, it would be being tremendously dispiriting for the team especially given the cap hit that i alluded to um and i would say i would put both of your teams in that category quite <laughs> frankly and uh not teams that have something to offer seattle that would make it worth it to them um so i you know the jets are a team with a top draft pick um, but then you look at that team, and I think Russell Wilson. I understand there's you know oh he'd like to live in New York and him and his family, but that's that's an obvious downgrade. I mean Seattle beat the Jets forty to three this season. Yeah, I think it was about that. Like so, you don't go to the Jets know. if you have
1: this situation. You, you need a you need a bit of an upgrade, not a. Well, you least... know
6: it's hard to find an upgrade, Sarah, and I think yeah. that's why this is so strange because it really is you don't see many scenarios that would work out well for both parties. It's
1: Spain and Fitz, air Spain, Jason Fitz. We're talking to Mina Kimes. You could see her on NFL live, highly questionable around the horn. And of course, Mina Kimes podcast featuring Lenny. Uh, you mentioned Deshaun Watson, I've said, since this first hit, he's out. Like you don't go down this path. Yeah. You don't say all this and you don't have these revealing stories about the franchise dissolving in front of our faces with, you know, a chance to to, to get him back. But, the Texans seem to be just putting their fingers in their ears and going, la, 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 to the point where teams are just leaving voicemails <laughs> like, hey, man, it's us again. There's a couple more deals that's we can wild. throw here. It's wild. I am still of the opinion that I give it about less than 0.03% that he doesn't end up somewhere else. Where are you sitting on this now?
6: I think that's about right. The only way I could see the Houston playing this is saying, all right, you want to sit out? Great. Sit out. Lose money. We'll tank. Um, but I don't think that's likely. I mean, for that, you know, that would be incredibly bad management because right now is their opportunity to maximize the return. And, and the thing about Houston, too, that's very that's different from Seattle. Setting aside, like, there's massive issues and cultural issues there and, and a history that's very different from Russell Wilson being, you know, just dissatisfied with draft picks, right? Um, but the other thing is, like, they're a bad football team. They were 4-12 with Deshaun Watson. Right. Right. Um, so I think at a certain point, if you're Houston, you got to look in the mirror and say, we suck. Let's try it. Let's rebuild. We have no draft picks. We got no money. Let's, let's get a, like maximize our return for Deshaun. Let's actually let some teams bid against each other and let's start the next phase of this team. Because, um, you know, even if they were able to keep him, I don't think they'd be that competitive next year, quite frankly. So, I think it'd be short-sighted for Houston to kind of drag this out any longer, given that Watson himself seems absolutely committed to making a change.
1: Really quick, before we let you go, we were Mm. off on Monday, so we didn't react to the Mariners news. We got just about a minute, (laughs) but uh, what, what was your takeaway from their decision?
6: Uh, Well, the right decision, given what Kevin Mather said, he managed to insult just about everyone associated with the organization. It's now actually kind of impressive. Um, Uh, You know, as a Mariners fan, it's like, it's already so depressing being a Mariners fan. Like, really, now we're this too. But, you know, there's a a core of young players, all of whom he also managed to insult, by the way. And I think there's this hope that the team can actually rebuild around them, talking about, you know, Kellenic, Rodriguez, Evan White, and and, then some of their prospects. And I, I would say beyond just letting go of Mather. There's hope, I would hope, I'll just speak for myself, that the organization shows they're actually committed to those young players and building something and being a better team, but I've yet to see that. Yeah.
1: The good news is it doesn't take much to be a better team than the Mariners, so...
6: (laughs)
5: Coming after your quarterback uh, and coming after your
2: baseball it. team,
6: come on! Now. We deserve it. No, it's all true. Honestly, you can't take shots at your down. beloved Nets.
1: <laughs> Mina Kimes, world's biggest yeah. Nets fan. Uh, thanks for it's the time, true. Mina. Really appreciate it. Bye, friend. Thanks, Mina. Bye,
6: guys.
1: Bye. Oh, she wanted to buy friend us. She wanted to, and then she's like, "Oh, I missed it. I missed it." It's Spain and Fitz. We'll do some quickies next.
0: You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast
1: fit sarah spain jason fitz espn radio sirius xm channel 80 of the espn app We're Presented by progressive guest join us on the goodyear hotline we'll get back to quarterback chaos and uh trying to steal quarterbacks from other teams uh but we got some stuff to get to tonight and we do it in a little something that we call quickies
0: quickies with spain and fits we get in and out of topics fast
1: <laughs> we just talked <laughs> You're never going to not laugh at that. I giggle like a child every time. I like it. I I, honestly, I like it. I I, I don't ever want you to grow up, and neither will I. Uh, I We just talked about the Celtics and the struggles that they've had, but we've got some new sound about them. Uh, So let's hear a little from Danny Ainge, the GM of the Celtics, who was on 98.5 The Sports Hub, Tetcher and Rich.
4: I wish I had answers for you. I don't. I do believe in my players I like all of them individually I think they have good futures I just think that right now our team is in a major funk and I don't know all the answers as to why and I wish they were playing better for them and for our fans you know I wish that they were playing up to their potential I don't see that they are you know I wish they'd start playing better and harder
1: listen fits all that kind of checks out but they're in last place in the Atlantic division they allowed the most three pointers in team history last night they were already down 13 after just one quarter in the game last night they've lost three in a row they're two below 500 they've dropped eight of 11 overall this is a team that's built to win and that had a massive runway for success that hasn't paid off I need to hear a lot more than just they're in a funk
2: I, well, and I'll double down on that and also say that if I'm Brad Stevens, I didn't love anything I just heard because Danny Ainge went out of his way to, to compliment them individually mm-hmm. as players, to compliment their skills and say, hey, they're not playing together and they're not playing with the fire. Well, who's responsible for that? I mean, ultimately, your head coach. So, you know, sometimes what you don't say in those segments matters a lot. So to me, the fact that Danny Ainge went uh, so, so far to speak so much praise to the players on a bad team says something to Brad Stevens. I'd be a little nervous today.
1: Kendrick Perkins mentioned Brad Stevens, and not in a positive way. Here he was on KJNZ today.
3: And now it's time to
2: really start
3: looking at Brad Stevens. Look, we praise Brad Stevens. I was a guy that has has given him his flowers in the past when the Celtics are playing well. But right now, when you watch the Celtics on the defensive end and the offensive end, it's a lack of accountability. You have role players doing things that they're not supposed to be doing. And what that goes to show me is that Brad Stevens is not holding these guys accountable.
2: Strong statement from Perk, who, by the way, has never sent me flowers. A little jealous about that. But (laughs) but everything he's saying there makes a lot of sense. I mean, and and the other side of it is, is, as we said earlier with coaches, when you have to make a decision between a quarterback and a coach in the NFL, I always go quarterback. Well, in the NBA, if you've got star players, and the Celtics do – the easiest thing to do is to look at the coach and say, hey, is this voice still working here? So if things keep going off the rails, Brad Stevens, is, it's much easier to find a new coach than it is to find new all-stars.
1: It's Quickies. Here's the next topic. Quickies. We talked about Deshaun Watson very briefly with Mina, but I wanted to mention just this latest, and it's really just backing up what we've already heard from them. He had had not talked at all, really, with uh, GM and new coach there with the Texans, but apparently he did meet with David Culley last Friday and told him what we've already heard. I don't want to play here anymore. I want out. Um, and what we've heard from the Texans side is that they're not picking up the phone and they're pretending like none of this is happening. Um, Is that a lot of news, Fitz, but do you have anything to make of hearing the specific exchange between Watson and Cully?
2: Well, the one thing that I would say is that I I still think the clock is ticking for right now. I don't understand why there's not more urgency because, to me, the Texans, if they're going to do something, need to get it done around the draft so they can get – return right now so if anyone thinks that Deshaun Watson is going to start playing nice I mean if I'm Deshaun I'm going to continue laying into this message all the way up to the draft to try and force their hand before that draft to get something done as soon as possible because otherwise you're setting the entire rebuild back a year for the Texans man that just feels gross for their fans
1: I did hear Mina mention a while back that there's an opportunity for them to try to you know have him you know play a little chicken with him see if he's really willing to sit out a whole year um, I don't think that would be wise for them. I think he would much rather give up one year of his career at this age than know that he's stuck with this franchise that's a sinking ship for the next couple. Um, I don't think that would necessarily serve anyone. All right, next topic. Quickies. It's an interesting and very sad story. Charges filed against former USA Gymnastics coach John Geddert. He had ties to the former MSU doctor Larry Nasser, And today, shortly after... Um, uh, the charges uh, coming through and him being found guilty, he died by suicide. Uh, this is obviously a very difficult thing for all of the victims of both Lass- Nasser and Gettert. And as we continue to try to unearth some of the deep toxic rot within our sports, um, this is the latest. And I don't know, Fitz, if, you know, after being charged with two dozen crimes and deciding that the best way out was to kill himself, that there is any less closure for any of these athletes. I hope that's not the case.
2: Uh, Me too. And you mentioned 24 felonies, 20 counts of human trafficking and forced labor, one count of first degree sexual assault, one count of second degree sexual assault, racketeering, lying to a police officer. I say all of that because I think it's important to note all of that with his name at this point. He chose to take his life Uh, But we don't have to choose to stop talking about it for the victim's sake so that they can at least have their stories told. It becomes all about the people that he hurt in this process and how they can at least get some level of closure, healing, and get some level of statement to the world about what they endured.
1: Yeah, and I want to say, which I always do around this particular conversation and anything related to it, the fault doesn't lie just with the terrible, evil people who commit these crimes or abet these crimes uh, by covering up or or aiding those committing them. It's also anybody that turns a blind eye. It's anybody that refuses to listen when people report to them. It's anyone who are required legally to report and don't. Until we really understand uh, the, the cost of our own silence and our own w- willingness to avoid confrontation or willingness to avoid being uncomfortable, um, these things keep happening. We can't completely rid the world of these evil people, but we can do a much better job of protecting and we don't. At Spain and Fitz, ESPN is presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who save with Progressive save over $750 on average. Coming up, as we continue to recover from our really unhealthy, truly, obsession with the NFL, which really is carrying through into the offseason, we try to catch up on things that we missed, that we should have been paying more attention to as uh, as their seasons continued or started. And this time it's hockey. We're going to do a little, what did I miss? Coming up next, Spain and Fitz.
0: Spain and Fitz, the podcast.
2: Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and the ESPN app. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Look, everybody's been over-obsessed with the NFL and college football for so many months. I get it. We've all been football crazed. So what we've been trying to do on this show is get everybody up to speed on different sports along the way that we know you love. And now that uh, your head's a little more clear, it's easy to get into. So this one particularly exciting because for anybody that doesn't know, Sarah and I, both big hockey fans. So we're going to do this the way we love to do things on our show with a little What Did I Miss? So what did I miss? What did I Any chance to play that catchy jingle. So we head over to the Goodyear Hotline. Emily Kaplan joins us. Emily, always appreciate you hanging out with us. And uh, we're going to get us caught up on a lot around the NHL. So let's start with the weirdness of this season. To me, I think it's really interesting the way they aligned all the divisions. All the Canadian teams are playing together in one division. This is sort of different. Is it good? Is it bad? Is it sustainable? Like, what are your thoughts on this? Oh, loaded thoughts.
5: Loaded, loaded thoughts. Firstly, um, it's funny because like hockey media is disproportionately based in Canada, so they're all loving it, um, and, and they're only paying attention to this. It's an interesting division, too, because no one is playing defense in it. It's a ton of gold, and we actually have two probably the leading MVP candidates in that division, and Austin Matthews is just tearing it up, Good American Boy, and Connor McDavid. Um, the players are liking this year the different um travel schedule the way that play the games are series styles but I think they're starting to get bored of playing the same teams again and again and again and they're going to play the same teams again in that first round of the playoff, because that's going to still be in the division so I think elements of the season are going to carry over like the travel schedules but um I miss everyone playing each other
1: yeah, it's kind of hard too, Emily, in my opinion. And and I say this as someone who's trying to juggle watching a whole bunch of sports. So I clearly have not given the NHL games as much focus as someone who's watching on an everyday basis. But it makes it hard for me to try to get a, a real idea of who's really good. Right. Um, you know, you look at the standings and you try to figure it out based on, on divisions, but they seem a little lopsided and it's hard to figure out whether teams are feasting against lesser competition. Um are there teams that you think their record doesn't reflect how good or maybe how bad they are?
5: Mm, that's a great question. And, you know, the other difficulty is there's been a lot of coronavirus pause uh, yeah. early in the season. There's a couple of teams that got hit with COVID um, and have to shut down for a week or two weeks. So like the games are so different of how many games each team has played. Like I think there's one team has played seven more te- games than uh, the Devils who have played the least in the league. Um, as for like, Devils are a great example. They're a team that's like playing a little bit above schedule, uh, above ahead of schedule right now. They're looking really good, but they haven't played that many games, and it's a very small, small sample size, and I think they'll fall back to earth. Um, and on the opposite end of the spectrum, I mean, the Florida Panthers, again, look great. And actually, I think they might be great. I, I have a hard time figuring out that team. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Emily, you mentioned the COVID impacts. Uh, we talked about the fact that. You know, the bubble was something that really wore players out mentally. They didn't seem to like that experience at all. So now that they're not in a bubble, how are players reacting to what they're being asked to do in this current NHL environment?
5: Well, I'm so glad you asked, because that's literally the current story that I'm reporting on, Jason.
2: It's like you're like, you you may a scan or something.
5: <laughs> um, the mental Synergy. health aspect of it. Um, I love that joke. I don't use it enough, but I use it all the time. Um, but, um, you know, the reason that, the probably the biggest reason they didn't return to the bubble this year was because um, guys were complaining about how isolated they felt. And it was really difficult for them to be separated from their families for so long and being so restricted to their movements. And so there was, you know, this push to have games at home arenas. And obviously, there's other factors as well. Um, but on road trips, it's still just as isolating. There's some really, really strict rules. And I think, guys, guys, are struggling a bit because they're used to socializing with their teammates. They're used to, you know, being able, you know, to just live normally and they haven't been able to. And, you know, I think they're always conscious of speaking out on this because it doesn't want to sound like millionaires complaining. Um, But it is really isolating, especially when you're on a four or five day series uh, four or five game series and you're in the same hotel room you are eating the same room service you can go to like one room that has a deck of cards and maybe you can play with teammates with masks on and that's it that's your only entertainment besides going back to the rink
1: it's Spain and Fitz Harris Spain Jason Fitz we're talking to Emily Kaplan with a little what did I miss we're trying to catch ourselves up on the big hockey stories Artemi Panarin former Blackhawk now with the Rangers this is a wild story Emily and I you know, I hesitate in any situations like this to necessarily believe the first thing I read or the first opinion I hear. There's always two sides to any story involving assault or anything else, but the ties to Putin and uh Panarin having spoken out against the Russian government and all sorts of things make this a real mess. What can I know that you did ESPN Daily, and if people want the true long form discussion of this, that's clearly where they should go. Um, or to your writing on .com. But what can you tell us in just a couple minutes about this whole situation?
5: Yeah, I'll summarize it for you guys. It's wild. Basically, Artemi Panarin is the star of the New York Rangers MVP candidate last year. Um, And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, his coach from the KHL, which is the Russian League, 10 years ago um, said there was this incident in 2011 where Artemi punched a woman, um, knocked her to the ground, um, and the police were paid 40,000 euros. And this all happened in Latvia to make it go away. And Artemi took a uh, leave of absence from the team. And the reason it's significant is because Artemi came over here and has been very, very vocal against Putin, against the Kremlin. That's very rare to see from a Russian athlete. He's very pro-Alexei Navalny. He's the opposite leader there. And it is believed that this coach, who is known to speak out against athletes who are political and is known to support Putin, um, was doing this for retaliation because I've been reporting on this. I've, I've talked to former teammates there. There's been zero court records of this happening. The hotel has come out and said nothing happened there. Teammates say this this kind of sounds like a hoax to me. And it, it really does sound, like you said, Sarah, it, we don't want to minimize assault and we don't want to rush to conclusions. Um, but this rogue coach with uh, personal agenda and political motivation trying to smear this player
2: Hmm. that's absolutely it just reminds me of venus
1: Cantor Fitz and i i I texted with emily and said that like you just don't see athletes with high profiles speaking out a lot of times against leadership in this kind of country and the pushback and the fear and 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 possible danger to them and their families is really scary
2: we're talking to Emily. It is. Kaplan. And,
5: you know, a lot of people have a disconnect of why is he taking time away from the team? Um, I'm told he was pretty shaken up by it. And he's got his yeah. grandparents in Russia. No plans to go back there right now, but he might not be able to.
2: I mean, the, like the, the human element of this, like, of course he's shaken up on it. Like, I, I can't imagine having to deal with all of that. It, it, it's insane. It, we're talking to Emily Kaplan, Spain and Fitz, there, Spain, Jason Fitz. Uh, Emily. I'll ask you for a little bit of personal advice here, okay? Um, as you well know, I lived in Nashville for a long time, right? And I know where I this is going. To, I went to the first ever Preds game. <laughs> I have a puck that they gave out to the first ten thousand people that were in that uh, arena. I was there. I, I, I have I have a lot of time, a lot of years with the Preds. Uh, it, it, it is not good right now. And everybody knows I'm also from Vegas. Should I just jump ship? Is it time to just, like, eliminate the Preds part of my life and just go in and be a nice fan? Like, it seems like it's easier.
5: Don't eliminate it altogether. It's too much of a fun time to go to games. You got Kappa's Jake down there. It's great. Uh, short term, yeah, you might want to abandon them for a bit because it's not looking good. Um, <laughs> the issue is, is that this is a team, like, when they beat Sarah's Blackhawks in the playoffs and uh, made it all the way to the Stanley Cup final. Um, they were awesome. And unfortunately, like, they've been regressing each season since, and they're really strapped against the salary cap. All these contracts are bloated. Uh, Their GM promised this youth movement this year, but it never came, and it feels like they're just delaying the inevitable. And I I expect out of all the teams this year, them to be one of the biggest sellers in the trade deadline.
1: And the other side, we've got the Blackhawks, who...
5: (laughs) Sorry, Jason.
1: They're only a couple points back. I mean... Should I be at all excited about not being totally out of it?
5: I think there's a real possibility they're a playoff team. Um, Like, I think it would be a lot so like last season where they like <laughs> be there. Um, but I think they can make it. Right. Yeah.
1: That's enough for me, honestly. I was kind of conning it as an off year, and I was thinking it was okay because unlike Jason's Preds, we actually got three championships out of our peak years. Wow. So it's okay if oh, wow. we have a couple of off wow. ones.
2: Wow. <laughs> you know, and the funny thing is, I, I was working for 102.5, the ESPN affiliate in Nashville. I, I was at all those mm-hmm. games. Incredible run, and it was great to be part of the flagship. Uh, but, uh, you know, lifelong diehard Golden Knights fan here. I don't know what you guys are wow. talking about. <laughs> wow, jumping
1: ship so fast. Oh, man, I got enough losers in my life. I need,
2: just need one team that I root for to do something. Emily, we appreciate you helping us and getting us all caught up on it. Thank you so much for the time, my friend. You guys did the best. Have a great night. Uh, And and fear not, I will go right back to the Preds bandwagon as soon as they're good again. And fear not, I will be able
1: to tell you whether the Blackhawks are actually good or not, if they're good, because then I'll be watching them more. (laughs) I mean, honestly, I hate that I do in some ways become a tiny bit of a bandwagoner with the new It's not new. It's been five or six years now. But ever since I started doing all national work, I simply cannot watch every Bears, Bulls, Blackhawks, Sky, Red Stars. Like, I can't watch every one of my Chicago teams and every other team that exists. So I just come out and admit it now. Like, if my team sucks and I'm never going to have to talk about it for work, it's a lot harder to watch.
2: Uh, well, there's one thing that anybody that's listened to either of us knows. We are not bandwagon when it comes to one team in each of our lives. You are diehard, live, eat, and breathe Chicago Bears, and everybody knows that I am diehard, live, eat, and breathe Las Vegas Raiders. That's why we're going to have at it again as <laughs> there's a star quarterback that may be headed to one of our teams, and the answer should be fairly obvious which one. We'll Stop break it down next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Bears. Radio.
0: Spain and Fitz, the podcast.
2: Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. The ESPN app, SiriusXM, Channel 80, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. The big news for so many people today is the rumor mill. Now, Sarah, I want to be honest here. I think that we obsess to such a unnecessary degree to everything that happens in the NFL, and it's... The off season, so anytime a quarterback farts, it's going to be news for some reason, mm-hmm. and uh, I also feel like a child because I just said farts on air. Was the but, fart? Uh, Maybe orange or, or or toots. Maybe we'll go toots the rest of the <laughs> way. So you know, if if uh, Russell Wilson has you know if he toots in public, it's going to be a story the next day. But. The, the reports are that Russell Wilson is not happy in Seattle. Now it's been made clear that he has not demanded a trade. He would like to stay with Seattle. However, if that's not going to work out, he gave the Seahawks a list of four teams that he would consider going to. One being the the uh, Cowboys, one being the Saints, but the other two more importantly being Chicago, uh, your Bears, and Vegas, my Raiders. I, I will say loudly, I think Derek Carr has the opportunity to be a great quarterback. It's not like I'm sitting here kicking Derek Carr out the door at all. However, I mean, if you have like the opportunity for Derek Deshaun car, Watson or you know? Russell Wilson, I mean, you upgrade if you can. I love car. <laughs> it's just, I'd like a nicer car if I can get one. That's uh, all. That's all. See what <laughs> just I did there?
1: upgrade the vehicle. I'm just messing with you. I, I do. I mean, listen, if you have an opportunity to go out and get a Deshaun Watson, we've already talked about this. Pretty much every team in the league, except for the Chiefs, should be at least kicking the tires on the old car I guess the vehicle it's hard it's hard with Deshaun Watts it doesn't work quite the same way um but you're right I I think why and I keep saying this why I love the wildness of this offseason is that as as inevitable as it might feel that the Bears will somehow still start the season with Nick Foles and maybe even re-sign Mitch Trubisky there is a part of me that is allowed to dream and as a Bears fan. Um, we've had some great defenses. We had a, a great season just a couple years ago, where you know, if not for the offense completely petering out and and a double doink, we felt like we could make a run. And so it's not that we've been absolutely trash, but our quarterback position for about 71 years has not been good. We have had very few bright spots, and so these moments where there's a question mark instead of a surety of mediocrity feel good and I want to revel in them because as soon as the official notice of who our starting quarterback comes we will likely be disappointed it's these moments where I can dream of a scenario where somehow they pull it off and get Deshaun Watson that allow me to continue being a fan the idea that somehow Russell the fact that Russell Wilson just put us on a list of four teams already feels better than almost anything that's happened in the last year for the Chicago Bears, and technically they made the playoffs. Not really, though. So to me, it just is like, I just want people to stop drowning me out with the reality that the Bears are never going to make anything good work so that I can appreciate the moments before that's actually confirmed.
2: That's part of the why I think this is so important for everybody. Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio. and You think about the hope the quarterback position brings. How many people listening right now, no matter what your favorite team is, if you believe in the guy behind center, you think that you're on the right trajectory. Think about Jets fans before they realized that Sam Darnold might not be very good. We're all thinking, you know what, this is the year they're going to take a step forward and we're going to get a little better. That doesn't turn out to be the case. Now it's abandon it and start all over. I mean, this is the case for... For every fan base and at some point when you've decided that you no longer have the quarterback that you need to be great you don't feel like anything is a sure thing for that upcoming season that's why there's so much attention paid and the other part of it Sarah is that there are certain moments in sports that change everything I mean LeBron making his announcement the way he did to go to Miami changed everything. At some point, I think we look at what's happening right now with Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson, and could these quarterbacks come out and simply decide that they're going to demand they play somewhere else? Is that the game-changing moment that suddenly changes everything for the way quarterbacks handle where they are and how they want to be and and where they want to play? I think that's the other interesting angle that we all look at and say, wow, this could be the summer that changes everything if quarterbacks actually come out and demand that they get opportunity to play elsewhere.
1: It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz on ESPN Radio. Don't forget to subscribe to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can find it on ESPN Podcasts, Apple, iTunes, or the podcast app. Yeah, Fitz, we talked about this, right? It felt like you needed to be a specific kind of unicorn to make that kind of shift in the NFL. Deshaun Watson is one of those because of age and skill level. Um, But I do think that it was just a couple years ago during the Kirk cousins machinations that we talked about the possibility of fully guaranteed deals, or at the very least changing some of the structures that we've become used to in the NFL. I remember us talking about when Deshaun Watson started speaking out before it became clear he would force his way out, but just started, we started hearing rumblings about his disappointment with not being involved in the processes of hiring a new GM and coach. And I'm blanking on the name. Who's the Who's the former coach that that uh, spoke to Greeny about it and said if he really wants to make those kind of decisions, you should buy a team?
2: Oh oh gosh, um, uh, Rams coach. Uh, it'll Vermeer? come to me. Yo, yes, Dick Vermeil. Okay,
1: you. that's what I thought. So I was thinking about this the other day, and the fact that as a capped sport, even the very best of all can only make so much money, and the idea that they are legitimately prevented from earning the kind of wealth that could allow them to buy a team by the very people that own them, right? And so the fact that we know that the NFL union is the weakest among the major pro leagues, the fact that we know that there are consistent conversations about can a team win when a quarterback makes X percentage or more of the team's salary cap. So there's already a limit to the earning capabilities of these guys, but we also limit their mobility. At some point. When you have the richest sport in our country, when the owner's fees are going up and up and up, when the valuations for the teams are doubling and quadrupling, as we saw in that great piece by Don Vanetta and Seth Wickersham, at some point, doesn't there have to be union leadership or player leadership that says we're willing to strike? And I know the reasons they don't. It's the short short careers. And the limited lifespans of most of the players, and it's it's the lower level, uh, you know, veteran minimum guys. But Fitz, at some point, you got to look at these disparities and say you should be able to make a move. You should be able to have some empowerment in a league that is more rich than any other because Spain, of
2: Spain. Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, and A. That is such a smart point. B. I also think that there's a. A moment of accountability, like I, I think back to how many years of bad football uh, and, and just being real like. I've watched a lot of years of terrible football teams. And there was a stretch where the Raiders couldn't even get to single digit losses for five or six years in a row. And it was four and twelve and three and thirteen over and over and over again. And you look around and you feel so helpless there. And I realize that part of the reason that you know you get to be that bad is usually you don't have a Deshaun Watson. But something that I love about all of this, whether it's Deshaun or Russ or any of these quarterbacks that'll turn around and say, Hey, I want something different is I want some level of accountability because, to your point, while they're limiting the movement and the availability of players to go out and sort of affect their own destiny, there is no accountability the other way for franchises that simply don't know how to run a football team, for teams that run themselves into the ground and don't seem Mm -hmm. to be interested in having any level of fix this or I won't play here. Like the Bengals, right?
1: Year after year. It's like, we don't really care about winning.
2: And at some point, if you if you allow players to have this level of voice, it forces a higher level of accountability in my mind to teams to figure out how to do it the right way. Because then, even if you don't, the gems you have may walk away.
1: Yeah, and and you know, there's always a balance to contract signing. I mean, Deshaun Watson signed that deal after the Hopkins trade, right? When maybe he should have already seen some warning signs. But it sure feels like the Easter be evolution right from lower level to taking over is the real trigger here and there there does have to be some sort of out for things like that it feels like
2: well they'll get it figured out at some point but I think the exciting thing for fans everywhere is looking around saying man I can't believe the even the possibility that Russ or Deshaun can find their way to new teams this year He's going to really energize some fan bases. Uh, There'll be some that are fierce, heartbroken, but uh, fierce, Freddie fierce, and Fitzsimmons fierce, coming up fierce, next. Fierce, I'm fierce, pretty sure Deshaun and fierce, Russ Wilson fierce, are fierce, both fierce, joining Freddie fierce, and Fitzsimmons tonight. So, got to check heads. it out. That's coming up next.
0: Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can listen to the show weeknights at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app.